Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world, around the college football playoff universe. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And of course, as mm-hmm. always, I welcome in my good friend, Awesome Ward. I think his parents know him as Austin Ward, but Awesome. Welcome again to the Tim May Podcast. It's college football playoff semifinal week. I know we're kind of, instead of making this timeless, we're making this right on time, right? But uh, big week for the high State football team. Huge week and um, definitely an interesting one with all of the schedule changes and, you know, Ohio State doing all their prep for a Sugar Bowl college football playoff game in Columbus. Um, I mean, it's it's bizarre. This is, you know, we've, we've had every week there's been something like, oh, this is a very 2020 thing. Um, preparing for the Sugar Bowl and flying out the day before a college football playoff game uh, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day just about takes the cake. That's um, 2020 has no other way that it could end other than with the weirdness of this week, but a really huge game to start 2021. Yeah, and you know uh, it's it's interesting because we do we do hear we do believe Chris Olave is going to be back for this game after having to miss the Big Ten championship game. I think Baron Browning's going to be touch and go, maybe maybe not make it based on just the numbers, you know, counting backwards. But you know. Let's get into this real quick before I introduce my, you know, couple of guests I've got coming on, uh, one of which is Tyvis Powell, the other which is Evan Spencer. And the reason I'm touching with those guys today, you know, kind of Buckeye Blue Bloods, as I call them, in the biggest games uh, of their careers, they made plays, man, you know, that uh, helped Ohio State win a national championship. This they know what it's like here. to get up. and Yeah, exactly. They know what it's like to get up and make plays that matter. 
when the time comes. And I think it's, it's good to kind of pick their brains a little bit about what this team, not what this team is about, but what this team needs to do on uh, Friday night against Clemson to break that four-game losing streak, 0-4 against Clemson. But especially uh, in the last uh, 10 years, or the last seven years, it hadn't been pretty against, uh, against Clemson, the only. The only team it hadn't really been pretty against for the Buckeyes, but I digress. Bottom line is, uh, you know, the Buckeyes, for the most part, are going to be – they're not going to be 100%, you know, from the standpoint of the COVID-19 rebound, but uh, they're going to be closer than they, than they were against Northwestern, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, we'll, <clears throat> we'll see how the numbers exactly work out uh, for Baron Browning. Uh, you know, we can – we'll talk about him just because Ryan Day, I already identified him as being in that boat. Um, you know, there were – uh, several cases that came up later in the week. We know that for Ohio State um, before the Big Ten championship game. So there will certainly be players that did not play against Northwestern and will not be able to play uh, against Clemson on Friday. Uh, but this will still be uh, a pretty close to full strength roster, um, uh, more so than it was two weeks ago. And you and I are not currently aware of any more, uh, you know, pop-ups, big-time issues, yeah. outbreaks that Ohio State has dealt with over that Christmas holiday. Now, everything you you still knock on wood and, and cross your fingers and, and hope that you do everything right throughout this week. If you're Ohio State, you can't take anything for granted in this year. They've done everything, and I think, Tim, that to get to full strength, stay home. The players didn't go there for Christmas to go see family. They stayed uh, in campus, the only place they went, their apartments in the Woody. You know, they had a, a socially distant brunch on Christmas, um, workout on Saturday, full practice on Sunday, and one change. Um, all teams were, you know, expected to go down two days early for the Sugar yeah. Bowl. Um, Clemson is still doing that. It could tell you, you know, about where they think they are with their situation. I, I'm told that, you know, they're going to go to a dinner for the Sugar Bowl on Wednesday and then to a movie theater. They're one of the last places I think that you would want to be on Wednesday night. Ohio State will stay in Columbus on Wednesday, they changed their travel plan. So Thursday, Ryan Day will do his Sugar Bowl press conference with Dabo Swinney. That will still be from Columbus. Um, they will fly out uh, at 3.30, I believe. Is that right, Tim? I think yeah, I think it's 3.30. Right. Yeah. They'll head to New Orleans, uh, treating it like, you know, other – just a normal road game and, and make sure that they, they've done as much testing, as much control, uh, not going out to, you know, be in the, uh, you know, Mercedes-Benz Superdome or – practices in different places in Louisiana. They want to have all that stuff that they can wrap their arms around it to keep um, as many guys healthy, testing, pos uh, testing negative, staying, you know, staying positive mentally uh, until they play on Friday. Yeah, the interesting thing was, you know, if you're keeping up with things, I know you are, and I know I am, uh, you know, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans it might be looking at, uh, you know, I'm, we, we record this on Monday mornings, but uh, New Orleans might be looking at some um, – shutdowns uh, to a certain extent in their bar and restaurant area, et cetera, because they've had a, they've had a pretty good spike in the last week and a half the way, last two weeks, the way I understand it. And so this was never going to be, uh, this was never going to be business as usual from a bowl trip standpoint, uh, you know, which yeah. you no and I media, both know. New media party on Bourbon street. Yeah. No, no visiting the dungeon. Uh, they're right off Bourbon street, like Bob Hunter and I did one time. Uh, it was definitely worth it. Still don't know what the cages hanging from the ceiling were all about. I guess we should have gotten there a little later. The dungeon, which did not open until midnight, you know. <laughs> but uh, that just tells you what kind of city you're in. But, but yeah, no, yeah, 
no wandering. It's just, it's just crazy, man. You know, and you and I both, we've gotten tired of talking about COVID, but COVID is still there and it's just keeping your nose to the grindstone now, man, and seeing it to the end. And, you know, we're going to come back and talk about sort of what we expect from the game from a preview standpoint, not that in depth because we have other shows on Letterman row, which take care of that, you know, especially that Buckeye IQ you do, uh, you know, through the week and the other things. But uh, I wanted to get into this. It still is about, people stepping up and making plays at this time of the year. And that's why uh, it was it's great to have Tavis Powell come on and then also Evan Spencer because when you think back to the very first college football playoff game ever played by Ohio State, uh, those two fellas made plays, you know, <laughs> and as did all these other you know, cavalcade of stars, Steve Miller, who saw that coming, you know, pick six. Uh, Cardell Jones stepping in and looking like the real man against that great, great Alabama defense. And, uh, of course, Devin Smith and and all those guys just stepping up when they needed them to. And and uh, not the least of whom, uh, back again, was Tavis Powell with that last play pick. You know, we'll get into that. Yeah, he didn't just pick it. He tried to get a pick six out of it. You know, so how many times you get a chance to do that when you're a deep, when you're a safety? But uh, you know, uh, real quick before I, before we jump to the Thomas Powell interview, uh, that's the most interesting part of this team, I think, is that secondary ready for what's coming from uh, Trevor Lawrence and and Clemson, right? Yeah, and I I think and I'm trying to if you're going to win a championship, you're going to win a college football playoff semifinal game, like you alluded to, Tim, you're going to have to have guys step up unexpectedly in some circumstance. Those role players have to be huge. You know, Steve Miller was that perfect example of that. Um, you know, Evan Spencer really was too, because he wasn't a huge, you know, playmaking wide receiver for Ohio State. You know, that throw to Mike Thomas, you, you won't you won't see any better than that. Yeah. Uh, best throws ever. But, you know, a block for Zeke, uh, an onside recovery. We talked about that last week. So I, I guess yeah. – it's hard, it's hard to ever know where that's going to come from. They're unlikely heroes for a reason. Um, but I think for Ohio State this week, it's going to have to be somebody in the secondary. You know, we've talked about Josh Proctor a ton on this show. Um, he had that, a big pick against Northwestern, but he also had one that, you know, could have been a game changer, a pick six potentially that he dropped in that game as well. Maybe this will be that opportunity on a huge stage where he, he finishes those plays, uh, you know, seven banks, maybe – you know, Lathan Ransom made big plays late in that game. Maybe he's going to be a, a bigger factor at safety, especially, you know, if we don't know the full extent of the issues that kept out um, Marcus Hooker and Ronnie Hickman two weeks ago. So, you know, that's the place to look. And that's why starting with Tyvis is a good place because that secondary is going to have to play at a very high level against Trevor Lawrence. And they're going to need somebody who might be, you know, an unexpected superstar to emerge. Yeah. Well, you know, without further ado, let's get to the, one of the more personable players we've ever covered at Ohio State. It still is, by the way. He's a new father, uh, spent first Christmas with his, uh, with his daughter, you know, and I uh, told him, you know, it, uh, it only gets more expensive from here with a daughter. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's get right to him, and then uh, we'll be back in a little interlude, and we'll get into a, a conversation with Evan Spencer, and you and I will wrap it up with a little bit of a, a, a preview of the game. But, ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Tyvis Powell. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, my podcast, especially on a special week like this, I like to delve into uh, Buckeye royalty, and uh, this guy is definitely part of Buckeye royalty as far as I'm concerned. I mean, how many people do you know who uh, had two walk-off interceptions in huge games 
for Ohio State. And I'm, of course, I'm talking about Tavis Powell. Tavis Powell, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you reaching out and letting me come on and bless the show. There you go. Well, we got to have some <laughs> kind of blessing, my man. It's a special week. And number two, do you still have both of those footballs? I know you used to have those footballs. <laughs> I'm talking about the one, wait a minute, folks, the one that, the one that, uh, the two point conversion attempt by Michigan in 2013, which he picked off with a deft DEFT move. And then, of course, the jump ball thrown by Blake Sims on the last play of the uh, Sugar Bowl in uh, 2000 and the 2014 season. Ohio State's first game in the college football playoff, he intercepted in the end zone, and for some, who knows what reason, ran it out. <laughs> but he ran it out. But, hey, but run it out. Wait a minute. Game. Hold on. Tim, are you saying that you wouldn't have ran it out? Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm not. Uh, let's see. I was born with fire. You know? <laughs> Listen, hold on. My, let me remind you, you're going against Alabama, too, and, and Nick Saban versus Urban Meyer. You wouldn't have ran go. that ball out. You read it back. You read it almost back to Urban, didn't you, on the sideline? I, <laughs> I was going to give him a high five, Tim. <laughs> high five the, the cool way. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, you're running away from Mamari Cooper and all those guys. I mean, you know, <laughs> hell yeah, I would have run it out. Who wouldn't All right, all right. So I'm tired of people scolding me about it. They would have did the same thing. Not scolding you, man. Even if you'd have been <laughs> run out and tackled in the end zone, it would have been a safety. Y'all still win. You know, that's where I look. Yeah, yeah. All but, right, but to answer your question, do I still have both of the football? Tim, my man, I'm, I still got my lunch money from the third grade, baby. Listen, I want them two balls to be buried in my casket when I go. Okay, those <laughs> those, those balls will definitely go with me when I go. <laughs> I, see, I see you in there right now, clutching yeah. them just like some people, you know, Some people cross their hands, I want to clutch two footballs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Thomas. And there aren't many people that can have two to clutch, if you know what I'm saying, man. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, uh, it was funny. I think both of those are Nike balls, aren't they? I think they were I think both they, Nike. I actually think they are, actually. That's what people don't understand. Not only, ladies and gentlemen, did he intercept, but he stole. He stole <laughs> those balls. Because one belonged to Michigan, which plays with Nike balls, and I think Alabama played <laughs> Nike balls in and still does. And, you know, people don't understand sometimes, Tavis, when you guys take the field, uh, you know, y'all are playing with Wilson balls, Ohio State offense, and when Absolutely. the other teams take the field, they're playing – whatever their favorite ball is. So, yeah. yeah and you know what? The funny thing about that is after I intercepted it and, you know, the, the teams, you know, we stormed the field in the Alabama game and their equipment guy actually walked up to me and asked me for the ball. And I told him, yeah, y'all season over with. Y'all don't need it no more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You should have gone over and got Nick Saban to sign it. That would have been cool. <laughs> hey, but, but I digress. Uh, Tell people, Tyvis, number one, what is that feeling like? Because, like, uh, before we came on the air here, I was I was reminding you that you were part of a team in 2014, still the only team in Ohio State history to win a college football playoff game. Y'all won two of them. Of course, won the very first uh, college football playoff championship because a, a week and a half later you beat, uh, you beat Oregon, mm-hmm. favored Oregon, if I remember correctly. But yeah, the bottom line is – Favored, unbelievably. Uh, yeah, y'all, you, you know, still Ohio State, the last uh, two times it's been in, it's lost to Clemson. Here they are going against Clemson again. I guess <laughs> what what just mindset do you think this team needs uh, kind of going into this game? What's the mindset you remember you guys had going into that game against Alabama? Uh, well, I remember, for one, we were seen as underdogs. And, you know, I remember, you know, everybody, when you hear about Alabama at that time, I mean, even now, 
when you hear Alabama, you know, you get this like this think this thought in your head like, man, you know, this is the big bad Alabama. You know, they're tough. They're always in it. Great team. Great coach. Um, you know, at the top of college football. And yeah. I remember just us saying, you know, well, dang, we good, too. You know, this is Ohio State. You know, this is the Ohio State University. And we produce the same amount of talent that they produce. Um Obviously, we, you know, the years up before that, you know, we were banned the one year. And then the last year, the year before that, we lost to Michigan State. So I know we had that terrible taste in our mouth. You know, that was for me losing those two games back to back against Michigan State and Clemson the year before was our first time losing. So it was like a terrible taste in our mouth. Yeah. And I just remember that, you know. That year was special. You know, we lost to Virginia Tech and everybody thought it was over. But that year we just kept fighting. You know, it was the year that, you know, we're not going to we're going to come closer together than spread apart. Because, you know, when adversity hits, you know, people tend to stray away. You know, we came closer together and we fought harder for each other. And I remember just going into that Alabama game. That was our thing. Like we're this is a family. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever is required of me, whatever you need from me. I don't care if you tell me, Tyrus, you got to run down there and try to tackle Derrick Henry all game by yourself. I'm going to give it my best effort because this team is depending on me. And that was the mindset that everybody had. You know, it was like no matter what my job is, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability as hard as I can because people are depending on me. Yeah. And. That is the mindset that you need to take when you play in this college football playoffs. You know, you got to just be able to do with it, whatever it takes. You got to in your mind, you got to think like I'm not leaving here without that ring going like I, we're going to win that championship trophy and I will do whatever it takes. And if you had that mindset, I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, it's interesting, though, you know, because, you know, you, you've been a great athlete your whole life. And yet there come moments I'm thinking, you know, throughout your life, throughout your playing career, from a peewee on, you know, and whatever sports you were in, where all of a sudden you're on a playground or a, a gym with a guy of like talent, right? you know? And did it feel – how many times did you actually get that feeling in college that y'all were on a playground? Well, you know, I'm I mean, after y'all got things going, that you were on a playground with like that. Was that the first time when you thought maybe the Michigan game the year before, but uh, – you know what I mean? How many times did you actually have that feeling? Virginia? Well, that that game was definitely the Alabama game for sure was definitely one that I was like, man, they are just as good as us, you know. And this game, yeah. you know, this game is gonna come down to basically mental preparation. You know that what did you study them extra notes? Did you stay up and watch those extra clips so you know what to expect? Like that, this was a game of just trying to be in, having anticipation because, like I say, they both the talents is equal. Like they got great players, we got great players. And yeah, for sure. I'll definitely watch film extra that we <laughs> definitely did some extra stuff in the weight room too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this is for you, Derek. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> That's on your mind. You gotta throw like 240 on the bar, and just bench it as many times as you can, because you're gonna be hitting this all game. <laughs> but dude, you know, you look through that game, you had that great play at the end. Steve Miller has an interception return for a touchdown. Yes, he did. <laughs> Zeke Elliott with his uh, what that, that rip through the South, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out to yeah. shout out to Evan Spencer for paving the way. And Evan Spencer for paving the way, and Evan Spencer with that pass to Michael Thomas just for the yeah. half. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> it was a magical <laughs> night. I tell you that. <laughs> Everybody, Cardale chunking it deep. You know, Devin Smith going up and getting it. I mean, it's yeah. amazing how many people. <laughs> Truly contributed, right? It does take a what what uh, what Hillary Clinton called it. it did take a village, right? Yeah, <laughs> take a village. 
Yeah, everybody got to be on the head. Wild man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be like a one guy is going to win this show, especially when the talent is equal. It's going to take everybody to you know reach down and pull that greatness out. You know, everybody. I feel like when you go to a university like as such of Alabama or Ohio State, you know, yeah. they when they when they recruit you, they can tell that you got some type of greatness inside of you. And all throughout your college career, it's all about trying to pull it out, you know, trying to find a way to pull that greatness out of you. And yeah. that game was whew, one of the games that you've seen a lot of people's light shine. Yeah. I, I, you just gave me goosebumps just thinking about that. I mean, because they do recruit you guys for a purpose, you know, and then whether you whether you ever get that shot at it, you know, is almost happenstance sometimes, you know. But, right, yeah. But when it comes, you got to grab it. Uh, before I get to you, with that ball in the air and you're looking, you're eyeballing it coming down and stuff. But I, I do want to say this, was there ever a point in like that game against Alabama? And, and I don't want, I want to talk about the Oregon game too, but where you, you felt the upper hand, you know what I mean? Obviously y'all are up, y'all are winning, you know, but did you, did you, yeah, feel you like, know, I, we you feel felt, go ahead. We felt like we had the upper hand at halftime and we were losing and statistically we knew we were better because we were killing them on the stat sheets. Our offense was rolling, but we just kept settling for field goals. So yeah. even as a defense, even though I don't have nothing to do with the offense as a defense, I was looking at it like, man, you know, we just need to get them the ball back because they really can't stop us. I mean, it's at this time, at this point in my career, I got so much respect for Tom Herman. I'm like, our Herman is like a genius when it comes to offensive play call. I'm like, Herman's going to find a way to get it in the end zone. He got it down the field, but we just, he's going to find a way to punch it in. We, you know, find a way to get them the ball back to opportunity. So going into halftime, it was no down speech. It was all motivation. Like everybody was like, listen, even Coach Meyer was like, look, y'all killing them on the stat sheet. We just got to score. And we was yeah. like, yeah, okay, we can hold these guys. I think at halftime is when the confidence really rose. Like, man, you know, this, you know, we definitely are as good as we think we are. You know, we just got to go out there and show it for, what, 30 minutes now. Yeah. Uh, was it amazing to you? you know, I got I to gotta be, be straight with people. You and I talked about this before we came on the air here. Lane Kiffin in Alabama, Derrick Henry, was having a pretty good first half. He know? was running the ball. <laughs> he Dude. was. Dude, they had a, I mean, uh, they're running the ball, uh, and all of a sudden they decide they're going to get cute and throw the ball and beat you guys. Did <laughs> Did you sense that change in them? I mean, did you? You're back there in the secondary, but did you sense a a change of plan? I mean, you know, and you, it kind of played into y'all. It played into y'all's hands. But did you sense that? You know, at the time I didn't, but it was like I they definitely started slinging the ball more. And I'm like, oh, fine. This is what you want to do this? Cool. You know, we put it on the second there, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, to their credit, to give them uh, like a little bit of credit, they did have Amari Cooper and he was a Heisman finalist. So oh, yeah. I can understand them trying to get him the ball more. So I can understand why they tried to pass it, but and the old saying, if it ain't broke, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I personally would have kept giving the ball to Derrick Henry. I mean, even look, even today, they keep giving it to him. He's done great things. I don't understand why people shy away from that. You know, it's like I say, I understand the deep ball is pretty and it gets fans about to see, but I'm trying to win the game by any means yeah. necessary. <laughs> what do you mean? Von Bell with that pick? Uh, Steve, Steve Miller with that pick? You with your pick? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, they threw it to you, you know? Yeah, yeah I pre we appreciate it, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for trying us. Yes. 
<laughs> okay, balls in the air. This is what people don't forget about that game. As happy as <laughs> everybody was, y'all are up two scores, and uh, and they come down and score. And then, of course, it was an onside kick attempt. Evan got the ball, but still, Alabama had the ball, was throwing the ball to the end zone on this last play with a chance to tie the game. I mean, this wasn't this wasn't a beat down like the Oregon <laughs> game was. Uh, were you? Were you a little bit surprised to be standing there near the end zone with this ball coming down? And really, all season was still on the line at that point. I mean, we just take put people in your head, man. Are you even thinking about that? Or are you just thinking, you know, I'm going to go Willie Mays here and catch this ball, catch this, <laughs> catch this pop up, you know, to the to the to the fence? I mean, what 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 was your thinking there in in, in those final seconds? All right. Well, okay. Oh, before you went berserk and ran out of the end zone. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> to, to okay to Urban Meyer's credit, the thing the, with the one thing that makes him a really good coach is that he practices a lot of in-game situations in practice. So the jump ball, for example, is something that we did every Sunday. Like, because you know we had that practice after the game. Every yeah. Sunday we would throw the hail mary, and I would always catch it. And then go down. That was Tyvis catch the ball. They was like, "Don't bat it down. You catch the thing, but you go down to the ground." <laughs> so fast forward to when we get to the game, in my mind, I'm like, "Listen, <laughs> listen, listen to me. <laughs> they not about to come down here and throw this hell very about to score. It's just like we practice it too much. Everybody know what to do. All we got to do is execute one last time. That's it. Just one more, one play, and that's it. We ain't got to never worry about them again." Yeah, so we line up, and he's like, "Everybody, coach, get back! Everybody, get back!" <laughs> I'm like, "All right, I'm back, I'm back." So I go to the three receiver side, of course, and I am the designated jumper. Like Tyvis, you jump, everybody else's box out. You jump and you catch the ball. All right, bet. Get out there. I see the ball go up, and I'm like, "All right, Tyvis, <laughs> this is the moment. <laughs> We've been practicing for weeks now. This, this is it. Like, come on, don't mess it up." <laughs> So we, I jump up and I realize, man, I'm above everybody. Yeah, this is me. <laughs> this is me. So I catch the thing, right? And you know, the, the everybody, everybody in America claims that they would have took the knee. And, and to my credit, I didn't know that it was zero seconds on the clock when I caught it. To my credit, now I definitely, you know, you want to run all the clock out. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, you spin out and you start running. And you see nothing but open space. So it's kind of like, why not? <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> why not go ahead and score? You, you, know, you don't get many opportunities in college as a defensive back to score, you know? Yeah. And what better way to what better way to put a dagger on somebody than to take an interception back to the house that they get? You know, they mad about it. They already said that the game is over. So, you know, this is a free one in my book. So let me go ahead and run it run back. <laughs> Just think, if you're taking that pick six 100 yards to the house, everybody be these day would be this to this day would be going Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott who you know what I'm that's saying? What I'm, that's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying, Tim. I'm totally with you. It, you know, people. Some people. Some people grab the moment, and some people don't. You grab no. the moment and ran with it. I there mean, we. Was, <laughs> I think that's. I think it's laudable. That's why you and I are talking right now, man. I appreciate well, that. I'm, I'm glad that you would have done the same thing. Yeah, well, us guys in the media, we're, all, we're deep in our hearts. We're all showboats, you know. <laughs> I, I got my own podcast. That's all I have to deal with. I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to run one back right now. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> hey, Tavis, real quick though, uh, put yourself, put yourself in this team's shoes right now. I mean, COVID nineteen, six games. They still don't really know. Talk about Ohio State. They still don't really know how good their defensive secondary is. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't even have spring ball. Replace three starters on this group. You know, mm-hmm. Sean Wade's playing another position, mm-hmm. etc. Just, you know, from your Ballywick, from back in the backside of the defense and stuff, just uh, how tough a chore is this, you think, uh, uh, this week, taking on Trevor Lawrence and those guys? I mean, um, and, and why do you think Ohio State has a shot at it? Well, I think definitely, you know, anytime you go in college football, the college quarterback always seems to make the team better, and it makes the task difficult because and when the thing about Trevor Lawrence is not only is he a good distributor of the ball he makes great decisions and what we found out last year is he can beat you with his legs (laughs) so so as a secondary player I think that um you have you come into this game especially this year for Ohio State secondary you know they're looked at as the the weak link of the group if I that's the way to put it you know yeah so this would be what better way to show the world that we are, you know, DBU, we are BIA, you know, we're the best in America. What better way to show that we might be the powerful of the powerful group of the defense than to go out and have a great game against Clemson against Trevor Lawrence. You know, that's like a statement, you know, and yeah. Ohio State is all about making statements. And, you know, with the great coach that they have with Coach Combs, even though he's the D coordinator, I'm pretty sure he still keeps his eye on the secondary. Oh, yeah, he coaches them. Yeah. Right. And Coach Combs, knowing Coach Combs, he's a great motivator. And he just is something about him that inspires people to want to be great. So I think, you know, he'll definitely have his foot, his hand on them this week, you know, as they prepare for this game, knowing that, you know, they have to, it ultimately comes down to them and the D-line to do their job because you also need the D-line to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And I think, I think that right there is what's going to give them a chance. I mean, offense, we know the offense is, you know, you know, Justin Fields, obviously he had a, a bad game last week, but, you know, he getting his players back. He getting all the starters back. His line would be back, and his receivers would be back. So, I'm sure you know Ryan Day's. We what we know about Ryan Day. He's an aggressive play caller. You know how what we learned from him last year playing Clemson. He's a very aggressive. He's yeah. gonna go right at Dabo's throat like he <laughs> all night, and it's it's basically coming down to the defense. Like you either. The offense is probably going to look at it like this. Either y'all going to ride with us or y'all just going to watch us, Because, but we're going to need y'all. You know, we just need y'all. We ain't going to ask y'all for a bunch of stops, but we need a couple, you know, with this, yeah. the way this offense has been playing. And I think – well, I don't think – I know for a fact that Ohio State definitely will rise to that occasion. So that's why I believe they have a great chance of winning this game. Last, th- last, last thing, what, what does a defensive back need to keep in mind in a game like this? from the standpoint of, you know, we've watched Ohio State's, like I said, secondary kind of grow up this year, but not – they're still they're still like adolescents. They're not full-grown men, you know, I mean, as a group, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it patience or is it play your game but pl- be smart? What, what would be your last thing you would tell these guys before they go out? You know what I mean? I mean, because you got to make plays, but you can't – you can't be over aggressive, you know. You can't you can't be a sucker. You know what I mean? You don't want right. to be a sucker in a game like this. I would uh, tell my my final words to them would be, you know, you're here for you're at Ohio State for a reason. You 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 are a great player for sure. You know, this 
just reach down and just be yourself. Just play free. Like, don't worry about making mistakes because that's when you make the mistake. Don't play timid, you know? Yeah. Make sure that you prepare, you know, like watch film, like really watch film and break it down because the tape don't lie. Like they people tend tend to stick to their tendencies. So if you stick to that and know what you know, when you see it, be aggressive. Trust that your trust your preparation. If you see what you think you see, go because it is what it is. You know, yeah. and that that would be my thing to tell them, like, just ba- basically be yourself and don't worry about making no mistakes. Just play as hard as you can, go as fast as you can. And ultimately, if you do make a mistake, if you're going 100 miles an hour, you can make up for that mistake. <laughs> yeah, 100 miles an hour. Exactly. Just don't hit the guardrail. Uh, <laughs> I know I said last thing, but, you know, me, my calling card is I ask four more questions after that. But I do have, <laughs> you know, you were on the team in 2013 that played in the Orange Bowl. You know, oh, yeah. you know where I was going with this. I told you. You guys not only have Clemson beat, you're about to beat the heck out of them, you know, or hell out of them, whatever word you want to use there. <laughs> Either Brown way. muffs that punt. Braxton Miller has a bad shoulder, as we all find out, you know, find out it was a lot worse than we than even a lot of people thought. Yeah. You go to my hook and that Clemson thing, Clemsoning is kind of like come back and bit y'all in the butt, you know, yeah, now. No. Three times. <laughs> I know is, there, is there something about another team sometimes, uh, Tavis, that just gets a team's number? You know what I mean? What's your, no, what's your no, uh-uh, okay. nah, I'm not settling for that deal. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Listen, we just, all right, to, to the 2013 is, is basically comparable to last year, you know. We had yeah. the we had the game one. We just had we didn't finish the game. That's ultimately what it came down to. We didn't finish, and now that we've known that mistake, you know, we, we I pray to God that we learned how to finish. I'm pretty sure with Coach Mick as the strength coach, I'm pretty sure all off season why they could train, he was talking about just finishing, finishing, finishing. So oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they will if they up this game, it, it ain't no Clemson comeback at the end. I I, I bet my bottom dollar on it, Tim. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Tyvis Powell, the 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 comeback kid, the uh, return return man extraordinaire. And I want to say one there. last thing: if Malik okay. Hooker, if, and I'm Malik, if Marcus Hooker is playing and he just so happy to get a pick at the end of the game to to close it, I think wearing number twenty three, Marcus, you have no choice but to try to take it back to the house. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. He, you know, he lays down the gauntlet, lays down, he throws down the challenge. Thomas Powell, the number 23 of, of extreme lore in Ohio <laughs> State football history, man. Thomas, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, brother. I mean, uh, you know, you, you always, you'll always be one of our favorites, if you know what I'm saying, because of conversations like this. We, we love covering you when you were in Ohio State. I think you know that, though, don't you? Yeah, I do. You know, I always enjoy coming out to media talking. You know, we actually have some good times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we get a few times we get to see you guys. Hey, he's really a real person. What do you know? <laughs> Thomas Powell, thank you very much, my man. Thank you, Tim. Have a good one. Here's the thing. Whether you're not whether you want Thomas Powell to maybe be your starting safety, I mean, you know, that could be a choice situation. But whenever you have a party, you always want to invo- invite Tavis Powell to the party because I really think he could talk he he could talk to anybody, bring cheer to anyone. You agree with that, don't you? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were all counting down the days until Tyvis Powell began his uh, media empire. You know, he's he worked really hard for some opportunities and you know bounced around uh, in the NFL for a few years, and you know never had that real opportunity to become a, a week in week out player at that level. But 
the respect for him um, around Columbus, around the Ohio State program has never, never dipped at all. And, yeah. and a big part of it is that personable attitude, but also because of that work ethic that kept him, you know, hanging around in that league for a long time when, you know, I think he'd be honest and say that his physical tools never jumped off the page the way that maybe Vaughn Bells did or, you know, some other guys over the years at, at safety. But um, you, you, he's the kind of guy that you build teams around. Uh, in the locker room, you know, in the weight room, he's going to give you everything he's got. And plus, you know, you know, like you just said, he maybe he was missing a little bit here and there from a physical standpoint. But there's something to be said for being in the right place at the right time, <laughs> especially when you're a safety. And those two footballs he still got, you know, that uh, the two-point attempt by Michigan in 2013 and then the uh, last the last play of the Sugar Bowl against Alabama when he intercepted and ran out of the end zone, which we just talked about. Uh, <laughs> dude, you can't – you can't. no trophy maker in the world can make a trophy like that. I mean, and he's still got both of those footballs and uh, – uh, you know, they're priceless, you know, the way I look at it, you know, especially for any Ohio State fan. And it's just it, – he not only sees the moment, he sees the football too, you know, and uh, and went home with him. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of, one of our favorite people. And just like this next guy, Evan Spencer, you know, if you're ever going to – if you're ever going to have a big day, I mean, if you're ever going to have just <laughs> that game, right, against Alabama – the unbeatable Alabama, uh, the Sugar Bowl after the 2014 season, the first college football playoff game for Ohio State, the first college football playoff period. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, has anybody seized the moment, you think, more than Evan Spencer? It was – I think what, what makes it stand out, what Evan did in that Sugar Bowl, is that it was a com- really a complete game for him. It wasn't – you know, Steve Miller made a great play that will forever go down in the record books. But, you know, like I talked about to start this show, you know, playing at wide receiver, but then also, you know, coming up with the key reverse pass and it being absolutely perfect and being under pressure when Ohio State was down a couple scores at that point and swing the momentum and, you know, recovering an onside kick and then still just doing the normal things that a wide receiver does. I mean, it was, it was a full 60 minute effort from him of, um, of high level execution. I think that's what yeah. makes it so memorable. And, like, I mean, you know, the catch from Mike Thomas was spectacular as well. I don't mean yes. to diminish that part of it. But that, you know, just taking what you can give and maximizing your ability to do it. Because Evan fits in the same boat of what we're talking about with Tybus. And no offense to him, he's, a, he's obviously a great letterman, a great contributor and fun to be around as well. But, like, he's, he fits in the same boat. You're putting Mike Thomas and Evan Spencer side by side there's one guy that you expect to make those plays and the other that if you get it, it's a real bonus for you. And that's what elevates you to winning a championship, you know, and, and Evan became that guy that urban Meyer would always point to as you have to have somebody like him to lead your team. Um, he's not going to rack up the flashy stats and all that stuff, but right. you know, he paved the way for, you know, Terry McLaurin and, and Paris Campbell's and the ones that were, you know, really selfless you know, guys, and it's 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 always interesting to me as well, Tim, that it comes from the wide receiver room, which isn't known for that typical attitude. But you know, Evan, you know, he helped he helped pave that way for Urban as a leader and and change that culture. You know, for a unit that's become one of the most important to this program. Yeah, as I like to say, one of the strangest things I've ever seen on a football team 
with three <laughs> wide receivers being named captain. I mean, that's like taking, you know, three lead singers, Diana Ross, three Diana Rosses, and, okay, you're all in charge, you know. I mean, uh, it was because you always look at them as the prima donnas, uh, them and the cornerbacks, and instead they were the opposite of that. They were, you know, we already talked about that. I really think Evan Spencer really set the tone for what came out of that that room uh, down the road. Tell you what, let's get to Evan. Yeah. What I brought up with him is what would he tell this football team if he had a chance to stand up in front of them before Friday night's game about what has to happen to win these kind of games and kind of pick his brain a little bit. And we'll be back to discuss what he said, but more importantly, to kind of break down this Ohio State-Clemson uh, rematch number five. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, here's Evan Spencer. Evan, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. can't remember if you've been on here before or not, but you know, you've been on so many platforms yeah. with Letterman Row. But uh, if you haven't been, man, welcome for the first time. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I, I feel like you and I have had a number of conversations to where, you know, we feel like we've probably done a podcast or two in the yeah. past. <laughs> maybe Just we should have recorded those, you know? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I said maybe we should have recorded those too. You should know? have, right? Should have. <laughs> no doubt about it. I just want to get right into it, man. I had Tavis Powell on earlier, and yeah. uh, and the point I'm making here is, you know, you two guys were part of a team that's still the only team that's won a college football playoff semifinal in Ohio State history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, because yeah. the Buckeyes are 0-2 in the last two shots. But uh, just to, you know, explain to people, uh, we'll get into your daring do in a minute. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. who knows anything about Ohio State football knows what you did that night against yeah. Alabama in that semifinal victory in the uh, New Orleans Superdome. The reason, yeah. the reason I wanted to have you on, this is the first round. This is a semifinal game, oh, yeah. and uh, you rose to the occasion. But do you remember feeling anything special that day, that week, uh, maybe just before game time, that mm. something good was going to happen and you were going to be a major part of it? Yeah, but I'd say that that feeling set in uh, way sooner, <laughs> actually, than I expected, and, and most likely you as well. Uh, Once we actually got the chance to watch the Big Ten championship game, get that film past us, and we were able to start preparing, it was remarkable about how ready I seemed, how ready the receiver room, offense, defense seemed, and how serious we were taking our work, right? Like, you know, case in point, you know, when I walk into the receiver room and I see uh, Nick Sirak talking to, you know, Zach Smith about leverage that we need to work on for the next two weeks so that we, you know, get it right against, uh, you know, some some good on good, right? You know, plan yeah. them and these boys can play. Uh, you know, that's when the severity of it and that's when that real uh, first inkling of, hey, we have the chance to do something special now. And, you know, I I don't know if, if we all saw it going the way that it that it went, right? But that's that that's what we were trying to intend. You know, it, it, this I'll talk to Tavis about too, and you brought it up, but I wanted to get your take on this. Yeah, this wasn't you weren't playing uh, Vanderbilt, you know? No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, this was the one that you know everybody said that we couldn't compete against, right? This was you yeah. know, Ohio State just doesn't have the physical fortitude, mental stability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, you name it, it, it was said. And, you know, at the end of the day, right, we got past that Big Ten championship game and we said, gosh darn it, you know, we are going to focus and, you know, we're not going to put a bad face out there. We're going to go show up. And, you know, we treated every rep in practice, you know, like it was fourth and one, you know, and we had to get the first down and keep the game alive, right? Because we knew that that level of pressure, 
right? During seven on seven or team two weeks out was important for us to be able to yeah. um, obviously succeed down the road. What was it like as that game developed? <laughs> I would think well, you know. Yeah. yeah, but I'm Once thinking. You get into the flow of games, it's like, you know, it, yeah. it, it, the flow really takes over. So much of like the angst and anxiety, I don't know what's going to happen, as it really happens before you get hit the first time. And then yeah. after that, it's like, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the flow of this game. Bodies are flying around. I'm seeing things and I'm good to go. So what we all were feeling in the game was just offensively, hey, we're moving the rock all the way down the field and we're kicking ourselves in the foot or no, kicking ourselves in the butt in the red zone. But yeah, very, very importantly, right. There was a surgical drive. There were a few surgical drives that were put together straight down the field. And we got down inside the 20 and we just had to figure out a better way to convert down there in that, in that short red zone. So, you know, it was comforting, but at the same time, right. It's, it's focused. Hey, here's still our job. Here's what we got to do. But you know, the game's in front of us, right. We can take a deep breath and we can just allow it to come, to us because we can clearly compete. That's that's what I wanted to get to. I mean, we, we, you knew that, uh, you know, early in that game, I think it was obvious to you and others that as a collective, you guys were capable, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, there's always a feeling out. You know, you walk into the ring with a heavyweight boxer, no matter how good you feel about yourself, you know, one punch can kind of change, you yeah. know, your brain, sure. much less sure. uh, the reality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but. I would think there was a, a there was a sense early in that game of a collective that not only did y'all belong there, but y'all were competitive. I mean, y'all were up to the task. And, and, and did you have that, that sense at all? And we really did believe that 100%, right? Like going into that game, what made us as furious as we were was the fact that they said that we couldn't compete like that, right? Yeah. They said we couldn't be that physical. They said we couldn't move big dudes good on good. They said we couldn't outrun good corners in beat yeah. man coverage, right? So, boom, I, you know, first two drives. There you go. That's that's that, that's all that needs to be seen from the perspective of us deserving to be here. Now, what we did is said, oh, crap. Well, there's two drives. And that was like 80%, you know, C plus, B minus, however you want to grade it. Now let's really put the foot on the pedal here. And we might be able to embarrass these guys a little bit just with how physical and how efficient we are in the passing game. And, you know, a lot of that uh, – kind of situation started to play itself out after those first two drives. Okay. Uh, you're the most efficient passer, I think, in Ohio State history in the college football playoff. Hey, that's one of my favorite accomplishments, too, by the way. <laughs> one for one. You take that little pitch, uh, the reverse pitch from Jalen Marshall, I think it was. You end mm-hmm. up back in the left side, barely in the left side of the uh, pocket, uh, drifting. And there's Michael Thomas. You guys are down two scores just before halftime. There's Michael Thomas. Y'all got to make a play happen. The red zone has not been kind to you. Mm-hmm. take people through it as that ball came off your hand did it feel different did did it feel I mean did it feel like yeah. you were throwing at a dunking tank and you're about to hit the bullseye you know and so no, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, man like I was so ready to execute and that sounds crazy with how nuts the play was but yeah. I, I I I had had a lot of pressure on me from Mike and others in the receiving room having not thrown it in in games in the past but also I had a lot of good reps throughout the bowl practice of completing balls. Right. So in the moment yeah. I was ready to go and ready to release it. Like I, I saw Mike and you know, the, the thought that I had to myself was, Hey, high and hard. If, if he doesn't catch it, it's over everybody. But the moment right before it left my hand, like as it left in my fingers and you know, receiver, I got receiver gloves on. So I'm yeah. doing this, making sure my gloves is as tight as possible. And the thing just literally was like butter right off the finger. And then like, you can see in one of the angles, like, 
it felt so good. I, like, I peeked around Cardell kind of like this. Like imagine Cardell right in front of me. I peek around him to the left. And yeah. obviously I see Mike do his in, in, in incredible acrobat, but uh, acrobatic move. But uh, yeah, that, that was the feeling during the pass and, and going into it. But again, you know, what we put on tape that day was for a reason, right? Because we all believed that it could happen, right? Good on good, right? We're going to yeah. show you that we're here. We're going to punch you in the mouth and see what you do. So that's what we did. Okay, this is this is the point I'm making with both of you guys today. Is that uh, you know, y'all weren't the only ones that rose to the occasion that night. Steve Miller with a no, pick six. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, right on down the line, Zeke's uh, Zeke's uh, uh, run through the heart of the South. But that leads mm -hmm. me back to you. I mean, uh, yeah, you man. know, yeah, I know you, you've replayed this. You've replayed this play a million times for people. But Good I time. still, you know, I've been covering high state football since '84. I even, I even helped cover some of the games when your dad was a running back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> From Saint yeah, he'd have, been, he'd have been happy running behind me. Shoot. Yeah, the St. Clairsville Flash would have loved that block. <laughs> but you take out two guys, two linebackers trying to scrape to the scrape to the point of attack. There's other yep. great blocks on that play, including Billy Price gets out on a guy and stuff. Mm -hmm. But oh my goodness, as that play developed and you looked up. Did you end up on the ground, by the way? Did you get knocked over? Yeah. I've never what? seen a replay that shows clearly what happened to you. <laughs> Man, uh, it was throw your body in there and put it up for the team. So I was yeah. under a couple guys, and then I just heard the ceiling get ripped off the stadium, and I turned around and started chasing and lost my mind. It, but it, it, I don't know. I mean, it, to this day, is that as, is that as great – I don't know. Is that as great a moment? Yeah. And I would think throwing that touchdown pass was ridiculous, but this was like – you know, the matador. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the nail in the coffin type of deal. Yeah, I mean, like, sword in the, yes, you know. the feeling was absolute elation. Like, it, I, I don't know how else they got goosebumps and the whole nine yards, right? Like, I don't know the right word to really describe yeah. it. But again, we, you know, our, our team was very, very good for a reason. And one of those reasons was because even after that play, my mind was still focused on, okay, shoot, we're up these many points. Eventually we're going to have to go an onside kick. And, you know, it's 50-50 chance whether it's going to go to me or going to go to yeah. Devin or whoever was on the other side, right? But it's that constant, hey, we're sitting here playing chess, not checkers, right? And, you know, obviously we've heard everything under the sun about how bad we are apparently. Like, let's just go out here and let's play a really smart ball game. And playing a smart ball game includes big plays, but then being able to take a breath, go out, rinse and repeat, close the game, get out there with a win in your guys. And that's what we did. Was your, was your own side kick catch? Hmm. One of the most stressful three, times of my life. Yes. Yeah. But of those three plays, I mean, of those three plays, what was the most, if you were sitting down and you were writing a book about it, about somebody yeah. else, you're, you know, about you, but you're not you, you know what I mean? Yep. Who, which one would you elevate to the, that was the play. I mean, you know what I mean? Of your three that just jumped Man. out of people, you blocked all night. I mean, et cetera, you know, yeah. but what, what, that was as key as anything. I mean, what, sure. where, where would you put that? I'd say, I mean, they blaze jump on women. This is after one, one A or one B. I mean, cause yeah. you gotta think about it. Like go watch that kick. I've never seen, and granted it's probably cause I'm just in there and you know, I might be being a little bit of, you know, spazazzy here but i've never seen an onside kick that was that perfect yes <laughs> you want me to be honest i couldn't rush it and i had to stay there and high point it and that's what you ask your kicker to do so definitely one of the more stressful times but we had a good plan right like the mentality that we all adopted in this game is we're winning over anything else right because i want to see jeff with a ring i want to see nick with a ring i want to see braxton yeah. miller with a ring on 
right? So, you know, given all of that in the back of your head, how important is it to out jump this guy and get that ball? How important is it to have it hit your hand perfectly squeezing as he goes to rip it away from you? It's it's in your hand because you were that locked in. How important is it then to go love up your guys then afterwards? And it yeah. was that important to us. And that's why we were able to succeed. And, and in that moment, you know, I joke about it being stressful, but we were ready, right? Um, yeah. Good on good. Like, you know, I'll continue to say great guys on the other side, but um, preparation is what ultimately gives you that, um, you know, kind of differentiator and tenacity is also another thing. And, you know, both of those were, uh, we didn't have any shortage of. Yeah. The edge is what you're looking for there. <laughs> Big exactly. Time. Big time. Hey, but you know what? You're not to blame for this, but uh, it looked like Urban Meyer and Tom Herman wanted to get you a touchdown catch, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, as as well as you guys have played and, and as smart as y'all played, all of a sudden that ball is incomplete where they tried to hit you on the deep. I think it was mm-hmm. a deep pass down the left side. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. But, mm-hmm. but my point was Alabama didn't have to use a timeout on that play. You know what I mean? And yeah. boom. They get the ball back. They're throwing to the end zone on the sure. last play with a chance to tie the game. Sure. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, on the one hand, you yeah. want to already start celebrating, I would think. But on the other hand, you're going, Tyvis, uh, somebody, knock that ball down, catch that ball, yeah. whatever. You're well, still for us, man, like that first down drive, the only folks who know why we checked the way that we did were the folks who looked at the, uh, the quarterback film view, right, and saw yeah. what? 10 people inside, like actually inside the box, 10 individuals. So, you know, for us, we were thinking of, all right, well, we got a one-on-one out here and I've been playing well, you know, we get a reception clock's going to keep ticking anyways. If we get a reception, we're that much closer to the end zone, yada, 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 right? But the defense predicated the call more so than anything else. So, you know, for us, it was just, okay, well, you know, I got a time, you know, I got a chance to, my number's called again, go out there, try to make a play. Didn't happen, but that's okay. You know, we then go three and out, they get the ball back, and we relied on our defense because it was going to be that type of back and forth, ebby flowy type of game. Um, you know, and, and even after that, right, sure, stress gets ratcheted up a little bit, but, you know, defense was still playing good, right? We'd see, still seen them making plays. I mean, shoot, Darren Lee's over there talking trash to <laughs> Nick Saban as he's you know, making plays over on the sideline, right? So they're still playing different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and because of that, we were just able to, again, rely on them a little bit and, Towards the end of that, Tyvis caught a pick, and everybody in the state of Ohio and around the country was telling his ass to get down. <laughs> but he caught it, and we won. So it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to grab reality, gr- grab uh, your moment, and run with it. That's what right. he did. And that is a very literal <laughs> hey, explanation of, of Tyvis. Well, get real down to it, Evan. These guys are these guys are underdogs. You know, the COVID nineteen thing has been what sure. it is has been for this team. I'm not sure Ohio State's going to be totally 100. percent uh, but they're at least going to have – looks like they're going to have Chris Olave back, et cetera, for this game. But, uh, you know, your guy who's been there, done that at the at the highest level in college football, what would be – what would what would be your message to uh, not just the receiver room but to the team as a whole before it goes out against uh, Clemson, a team that university has, has not beaten? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In his history. Uh, and obviously y'all had that, you know, they had the sour taste from last year, the way mm-hmm. that game was sort of taken from them along with some execution mistakes too. But uh, what would be your message to this team to get over the Clemson hump? Finally? To be honest, my, my, my message to the team is, is very simple and it's, uh, it's directed at the team, but it's more directed at a group of individuals, right? The scout team players going into this football game need to be with every 
opposing coach, right? If you're a DB, get with the receivers. If you're a DN, get with the offensive lineman coaches because the looks that our starters, the guys that are going to take all the reps in the game are going to see are ever more important for them to see in practice right now, right? Because once we get to the game, Clemson's going to do a whole bunch of herky-jerky things to continue to keep momentum on their side. But what is fundamental to that team, we have to be great at defending against, stopping or attacking, right? And that starts in practice. And that starts with the folks who are giving you the look. So the scout team has a big, 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 big challenge on their shoulders. And obviously, as the starters, it's your it's your job to execute and answer the bell. But again, scout team guys, man, pick up the bell, get your guys ready, um, love up your teammates when they make good plays, um, but talk through things when things don't look right. That would be my message to the guys. Yeah. Uh, does 2014 seem like yesterday or just seem like 20 years ago? What, what, what's it does it, what's seem like yesterday. Say? It still seems weird yeah. that like we won the first one, right? That, you know, I walk up the stairs, look at my national championship ring. I'm like, oh, gosh, like, that was us who did that. <laughs> right, yeah. that the ball thing that I watched my dad and coach trust do in 02 run on the field watching C grant the whole nine yards we did right so all I, I feel like much of what is to come in terms of it setting in hasn't yet um so much more to come but it's 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 amazing right and hard work pays off I guess <laughs> how, do, how do you how do you like the way this team has dealt with this COVID-19 challenge and stuff and what do you see them? What do you see kind of unfolding Friday night from the sense from your standpoint? This, I know you believe this team is up for the task and yeah. stuff, but how do you see just sort of the game unfolding just in your own mind? I'm, I know you've thought about it. Uh, oh, man. I mean, in terms of the, like how I see the game unfolding, like, I don't know, like, what I hope to see is yeah. I've, I've been speaking about this tenacious mentality, right? Good on good. How are you going to be patiently execute better than the next guy? So what I want to see is I want to see a team that is as prepared as humanly possible, not to compare people to the league or whatever. Right. But you know, you watch Tom Brady take the field with his offense. They know every look that can be thrown against them, everyone. Right. And that's why they're so good. That's why he's so good. But yeah. the same thing, right? Like as it applies to here, if we can take that preparation and that mentality, I feel like there is an easy way to replicate what we did against Alabama in, in 2014, but it's going to take that effort, if not more to do it. Right. And it starts preparation and then it builds itself to execution. Ladies and gentlemen, Evan Spencer, one of my favorite players, uh, you know, I always say that, but guys that come on my podcast, but they are my favorite players. That's why I invite <laughs> yeah. them on my podcast. And uh, you know, Evan, I appreciate it, man. I hope, I hope Titus exactly. comes through for you with some new clubs. That's what I'm saying, right? I just got my TS3, so we're all we're all good to go. <laughs> there you go, man. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, Evan Spencer, one of the stars, one of the all-stars of Ohio State's first-ever college football playoff semifinal victory over Alabama back in 2014 season. Thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast, my man. Anytime, brother. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, just like we expected, right? You know, Evans Evans joined you. He did a breakdown of those big time plays with you a couple of years ago. You know, he's yep. uh, these are the kind of times when a, a guy like him is sought out because he did show what it was all about. He did show what it's like to rise to the occasion, right, Austin? And he's one of our favorite fellows because of that is soft-spokenness, but there's an assuredness in his voice too. Yeah, and when he gets rolling, you know, just I think the memories for him of that game, you know, it was like it was yesterday for him. And we, we've obviously talked about it a lot, and he talked about it plenty, but, you know, you just don't – something like that comes around, you know, once in a lifetime. He he made the most of it, and he enjoy, he, he should enjoy the opportunity to get to talk about it in a situation like this whenever a playoff rolls around, whenever Ohio State's in the Sugar Bowl, um, he has he has a remarkable legacy for this program. And, and I think the fact, too, that it was the first college football playoff, you know, just just elevates. It makes it even more special because you know, there were people that didn't think Ohio State deserved to be in that spot. Um, and they certainly wouldn't have projected that Evan Spencer could help the Buckeyes win it and go on that run. But, um, you know, he should – he deserves the right to, to revel in that every single yeah. year. Absolutely. Speaking of not speaking of whether they deserve to be in that spot, some people have said the same thing about this 2020 Aussie football team, Big Ten champion, six and zero. Some who's rules specific, got who uh, specifically? Some guidelines got changed. Uh, I call them guidelines, not rules. You know, to allow them to play for the Big Ten championship. <laughs> some yeah. guidelines. Actually, College Football Playoff Committee, Gary Barta, chairman and of the selection committee, et cetera. You know, they didn't really – they said all along the number of games would not necessarily matter. Uh, it did matter to some people, not the least of whom was Dabo Sweeney, the outspoken head coach of the Clemson Tigers, who is Ohio State's uh, opponent on Friday night. It's interesting how you give another team bulletin board material as a head coach. You know what you're saying. You know, you, you know what's coming out of your mouth, uh, especially a guy like that. I think this has been measured. Uh, how do you think that'll play? What, what, how much people keep asking me how much that'll play on Friday night? I keep telling them, you know, once you hit each other in the mouth, it really kind of goes out the window, but it inspires you to get ready for the game, which may be more important, right? Yeah. I mean, let me ask you this, Tim. Like, can you remember anybody in your career that has embraced sort of this villainy role so wholeheartedly? He knows what he's doing and he keeps doing it every single day. Like, he has no – I just – I can't think of anybody like it. I mean, S- Steve Spurrier was like this, you know, and, yeah. and earned it and backed it up. And right now Dabo has earned the right to continue to talk over Ohio State. But I don't – you know, Spurrier wouldn't, like, go into the week of a game needling Phil Fulmer. He'd wait till it was over. He would wait till the off season because it's just – you don't yeah. want to help your opponent. You know, I, 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 I use this line on, on my previous podcast, I believe, last week, where, you know, once a walk-on, always a walk-on, meaning he walked on at Alabama. People didn't think, you know, obviously they didn't think enough of him immediately to give him a scholarship. He had to prove himself. 
Yeah. And I think that's an attitude that has served him well for the most part. Is he's Even as he climbed up through the ranks, when he got named the head coach, surprisingly, by Clemson, you know, way back when. Uh, replaced Tommy Bowden. People were going, what? Are you kidding? This, what, what, what are you doing here? Well, he proved that he could lead men, you know. He proved once he was in the driver's seat, he could drive the bus. But he's, he's always uh, putting it out there. That's just his – that's the way he operates, you know, that uh, nobody's giving him as much credit as they should, which is pretty funny when you consider what's gone down in the college football playoff era with uh, Dabo Sweeney, at the least of which fact that his teams have beaten Ohio State three times. 2013 season, the Orange Bowl. Uh, 2016, the 31-0 shellacking of a Urban Meyer team. What was – is that one of only two shutouts an Urban Meyer team ever suffered? I, I can't remember the stat. Might have been the only one, but they were rare. And then, of course, last year, uh, beating Ohio State, about uh, you know, wasn't his wasn't his hook or crook, but it was hook or crook, you know, in that game. Agreed. I mean, Ohio State felt like that game was taken from them by the officials as much as anyone else. They still got the job done. Clemson still got the job done. It's kind of changed the definition of Clemsoning from, you know, Clemson's Clemsoning Ohio State now. But uh, yeah, it's just. He's gone out of his way to, to, make an, to make enemies headed into this game. It's not a surprise, but at the same time it is. Why would you do that? Yeah, that's the part that really gets me is that, you know, he, he could have stopped by last Sunday once the, once the pairings were confirmed. You know, he had said what he would said. If you put the comments from September side by side with, you know, him talking about the games, you know, I thought that was just an effort on his part preemptively to make sure that, Clemson could maybe get in even if they lost to Notre Dame again. And I get that. It's totally understandable for coaches to say whatever they want need to say to defend their program, and I get that. But once the matchup is set, you generally stop talking about the other program and focus on your own. You go Lou Holtz. You yeah. go Lou Holtz once exactly. the matchup is set. Because you're not trying to put anything on their bulletin board. You're not trying to give them comments that can go on the video board in the Woody. You're not trying to – fire them up to get through workouts. And what you said is absolutely right. And we've, you know, both asked a number of players about this. Well, how would you use it? How did it work uh, in 2014 when, when they were talking about Alabama or 2002 when they're talking about Miami? Yeah, you pay attention to it. And now more than ever with social media, they're more, it's, it's much, it gets to them instantaneously. As soon as Dabo says his latest thing, they're aware of it in the Woody. So it, it does resonate. It does get them through workouts. Now, on Friday night, once the game starts, will they be thinking about those comments? I mean, maybe, maybe not. That When they see him on the sideline, they'll probably get a jolt of, of energy and maybe some hatred. And, and certainly we know that they already have those feelings based on what was taken away from them last year in the Fiesta Bowl. So I don't, you know, it's a little bit silly to look at all of this or, or Ryan Day's, you know, post-game uh, you know, message to the team that, that tomorrow McCall helpfully shared with, with Clemson. I, I just don't – this game already matters so much. You know, yeah. I, it, it won't really, like, tip the scales either way. It's just super weird to me that he would continue to do that when the, like, coaches are – 99.9% of all coaches are paranoid about anything that they say being used against them by the other team, whether that's talking about injuries, personnel, yeah. you know, motivation. And Dabo just is, like, out here – I mean, in a way, you tip your hat to it, but it's also super annoying when every day he's trying to do something different. 
Yeah, yeah but do you have an opinion really on this? <laughs> hey, I, you know, well, you talked about the, you know the last seven years. Like, I'm a little bit thankful that we don't have to do like every single day media availability. Yeah, exactly. Because we've been exposed to a lot of long, you know, nonsensical press conferences from this guy, and I just oh yeah. To me, he just, I just he's not someone that I enjoy listening to. Yeah. Well, I don't, you know, you know, I grew up in I grew up as grew up an Alabama fan. So when he talks about those back those days back in Alabama, you know, I kind of like that. Just listen, sure. you know. But uh, but you know, because I was maybe the only guy in the room that got this reference to the how good it is to at least have a playoff, you know, of some sort back when. Back when 19, 1966, as you said, when Alabama, maybe Bear Bryant's best team, didn't get a chance to play for the championship, was undefeated, beating Nebraska in the Sugar Bowl. And, uh, but uh, Notre Dame and Michigan State had played to the 10-10 tie, you know, and Notre Dame gets the national championship. And, you know, uh, yes, this, this is the better – this is the better era to play in because you – by hook or crook, you get four teams in there who play for the championship. It was two in the BCS era, which was fine with me because that beat zero. Uh, <laughs> but now you've got this. Let's keep this, keep this really short now because we're trying to yeah. keep these, uh, these podcasts under four hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> give, me a, give me a quick answer and I'll give you one. Yeah. The key matchup Friday night for Ohio State. Ohio State has got to rise above where it's been uh, through the first six games of this season. The key matchup there is where? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the secondary, and I think that that's, that's obvious, so I won't talk about Lawrence against those guys again. Um, I think that Ohio uh, State, You're right, though. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and maybe you've got – because I talked about it. Maybe you've got more that you can dive into with those guys and Sean Wade. And, but for me, um, you know, Ohio State – and you wrote about this uh, three or four weeks ago. Maybe it's for the Indiana game. The ability to pick up blitzes for Ohio State, they've seen every kind of blitz imaginable. Indiana got a ton of pressure, uh, different kinds of pressure, different looks, exotic looks, um, and they put Justin Fields under under strain, and he made some mistakes. Northwestern took a page out of that playbook two weeks ago and did the exact same thing. Um, and I think if there's been one area of this offensive line which has been really good, um, and they just they just opened up holes for a rushing attack that rushed for 400 yards. They've been a little susceptible to blitzes, most most notably on the interior. And so you know that Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers are going to be fine. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer and Thayer Munford have been two of the very best tackles in the country. The, the one guy who will be under pressure and under the spotlight is going to be Harry Miller in this game. And that is where Brent Venables, you know for a fact that he will have watched what's happened over six games. And, and I'm not suggesting in any way that Harry Miller has to be perfect in his first year as a starter. You're going to go through some growing pains. But if you're going to win a national title, he's going to have to hold up against what will certainly be concentrated attacks from Britt Venables, his direction. Blitz, blitz protection for Justin Fields is going to be a difference maker. Yeah, I plan to write about that, you know, because it's been kind of my theme all year about how this offensive line has to deal with things. Here's Brent Venables, like you said. He's got, a, he's got six games worth of video, <laughs> not a full season. But uh, – He's one of the masters. It, they don't necessarily always shut people down, but they always seem to come up with a play, right? I mean, that's that's the best way to sum up Clemson's defense because, you know, Ohio State pushed him all over the field last year, and but they came up with a couple of plays that made the difference. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Nolan Turner's interception. Well, hey, 
He was there. Chris Olave wasn't. He makes the play, game over, et cetera. My key matchup, as I'm looking at it, it's not necessarily a key matchup. It's more of a strategic thing, as as, uh, Will Ferrell would say, as George W. Bush, strategic. Hey, you know, Ryan Day, if you – you have found a running game. I mean, I mean, Wyatt Davis and Nicholas Petit Frere and Josh Myers, Harry Miller, they are Munford. And then and then Luke Farrell and and Jeremy Ruckert, they got the job done for you uh a week and a half ago against Northwestern. They got the really the job done for you. The the previous game at Michigan State, I mean, there were some great runs by by Justin Fields just on his own, but they still they they paved the way, you know. Just because you're going against this so-called really good uh, athletic defense doesn't mean you got to throw the ball all over the lot. You don't have to get all these wide plays going. You know, the, the, the challenge there, the key matchup is Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson between themselves not being afraid to run the ball straight at this defense. Uh, they really screwed up in 2016 season in that, uh, in that college football playoff semifinal out in the desert when they didn't run the ball right at them and uh, paid the price for it. They, they, with uh, Curtis Samuel, so they, they decided to go to this wide game. They got shut out. That, that didn't work. Now, that was Urban Meyer and his staff. But uh, this is a game where you line up, not every play, but, you know, like the Cleveland Browns the other day against, uh, you know, against the outmanned uh, New York Jets. With missing four receivers, they decided to throw the ball 50 times. What are you talking about? You got two of the best running backs in the NFL. Giddy up, you know. Put the saddle on and giddy up. That's what I would say. Now, last thing, because uh, like I said, you'll have all other kinds of shows here to, to break down stuff. How, how much of the Clemson thing is in the Ohio State psyche? Just give me a short answer on this. Well, How much do they have to get over that hump, do you think? They're playing Clemson again. They're playing Trevor Lawrence again. Travis Etienne again. Travis Etienne, they held him at bay the last time, and all of a sudden they run a little quick screen over the middle for the winning touchdown when Ohio State bites, you know. Everybody bites. They're impatient. They bite. And uh, and Clemson wins the game. Uh, how much does Ohio State have, need to get Clemson out of its crawl? I think for this particular team that that's not as big of an issue as it maybe just is for, you know, the city of Columbus or Ohio state fans or, you know, people that, you know, have to pull back and, and look at the national landscape, you know, because the team that is in this game, they feel like they were the better football team on December 28th last year. You know, they know that their personnel uh, can go toe to toe and is probably, you know, it, it was, it was better last year. It, they deserve to win the game. They, they completely manhandled them. They had, a couple things that went against them that didn't have anything to do with Clemson. You know, the, the officiating with the Sean Wade ejection and that, you know, Jeff Okuda, you know, forced fumble and Jordan Fuller touchdown. And, you know, those, you know, and maybe some, you know, the JK Dobbins drops, maybe one of them could have gone a different way interview. Who knows? But there's, yeah. there's like five or six, what if things that are in their mind that had nothing at all to do about Clemson. So I think for these guys, the, the bad taste is not, man, how are we going to get over Clemson? It's that they didn't get what they deserved out of a game last year where they thought they were the better team. So I, yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm at with it. They're not – the bottom line for me would be, Tim, that Ohio State – this Ohio State team is not intimidated by Clemson. 
Um, they've gone, they've been on the field with them. They've measured themselves against them. I think there's probably a, a bigger, you know, uh, Gene Smith's feelings on it are probably not quite the same when he's seen the previous matchups or been part of that, or, uh, you know, a fan base that had to sit through 2016, you know, those, those guys are long gone. So I don't think yeah. that the memories of that will, will impact, you know, it's just last year's Fiesta Bowl and they know from that tape that they can beat Clemson. Yeah, you know, Chris Olave wants to catch three or four touchdown passes. Uh, you know, Justin Fields uh, wants to play, wants to rebound from that game. The la- Really, the last couple of games, but definitely that Northwestern game and the passing attack. I mean, they're missing Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness, it went into hybrid. I mean, watch Ohio State try to throw the ball against Northwestern. You know that Justin Fields wants to rebound from that, and yet, he found this ridiculous traditional weapon in Ohio State, uh, in Ohio State's uh, armory, known as the running the ball with Trey Sermon, who put on a <laughs> he and the offensive line put on a clinic in the second half. They want to follow up with that. You're, you know, all those things you just said. You're exactly right. They, they've got, they've got the wherewithal. They just have to like put it all together. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a fairly high scoring game, to be honest with. you. Because I think these teams are both going to let it all hang out, and why? Why would you not? And and these games have been, with the exception of thirty-one to zero, these games have been pretty exciting. You know, Woody Hayes' last game, Braxton Miller's last game, and as a quarterback, hurts his shoulder. They had that game. They had a game, but didn't get the didn't get it done. And then uh, last year, as we well know, what went down there. I thought Tavis Powell said it best. If he had one word, he would say to this defense in general and the secondary in particular is finish man finish that's that's the key to a game like this and by the way before we go uh shout out to my younger brother my baby brother tony uh he just turned he listens to this podcast all the time uh lives down in the houston area and uh you know you're getting old when your baby brother just turned 63 right (laughs) awesome Uh, happy happy birthday to a loyal listener and another may yeah, my my baby brother's older probably than your dad. That's that's way that's putting it in perspective. But uh, hey, awesome! One last word. Uh, so, how do you think this swings, man? Just give me give me give me ten seconds on how you think this game swings. Man, I you you know the ten seconds would be a challenge for me. I I I have the memory of last. Stayed up five of them. I know there's not there's not Chase there's not Chase Young, Akuda, Arnett. I know those guys are missing, but Ohio State. Um, I, I just think that they are so motivated, still so talented. This year has been a challenge, but, man, I think they're going to pour everything they've got into this one. I don't know what would happen after that game, after the Sugar Bowl. We can talk about that later. But I think on Friday night, I, I just I feel like they're, this team is poised to get over the hump. Haven't played their best game yet, which means they might be ready to unleash it against Clemson when they need it the most. Man, 10 seconds with awesome word when time stands still. My 10 seconds are, I think Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togia not only have to go off, I think they will go off pressuring up the A-gap, uh, pressuring up the middle on Trevor Lawrence, making if he does anything, he's got to go another direction. He's not – that's what I feel. I think this team is poised to take – not let Trevor Lawrence beat them with his legs like he did a year ago. 
But Trevor Lawrence can beat you with his legs, and that's what they have to keep in mind. This is going to be a shootout. I'm looking forward to it. And next week we'll be back to chop it up again one way or the other. One way or the other. Huh? One way or the other. Yeah, but is Ohio State advanced in the college football playoff? Uh, does it finally get that third win in the college football playoff? Uh, you know, we'll we'll check on that and other things. But until then, for Awesome Ward, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, It's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.